Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. It's Thrive Thursday. Cena Gaznaby is my partner in, in power today. This Thrive Thursday. Cena now is where you can follow him on Twitter and joining us, tapping in. Come on through. She's the founder and managing principal of Henry's and Co., founder of registered broker dealer and business operations consulting firm that serves small and medium sized privately held companies. She's amazing. She'll be back frequently on the Karen Hunter Show. Let me welcome Miss Etta Henry's back to the Karen Hunter Show. Hi. Great to be here. Great to, Great be, to, here. Great to you. see you again. Great to see you. Okay. Yeah, so no, I, I'm, what's your question or comment? My question was that um was that supposed to be like a motivational? Yes. yes. <laughs> you didn't feel motivated? I wow. think you're living in Pity City. Wow. wow. <laughs> Is that next door to Party City? Because Party City is pretty yeah. dope. I kind of like I'll, live, wow. I'll be over there. Mm. Wow. Uh, let me ask you, as a person that helps people shape businesses, because that's your, that's your belly wick, that belly wick. That is what you do. You, you, you put yeah. people in a position to win. You help them get funding. You do all of those, those things. We were yeah. talking earlier about corporate responsibility, and I feel like there are a lot of people at the top that do nothing, while the people at the bottom, and when I say at the bottom, the people that actually put the cogs on the thing to make the wheel go, get the least amount of money. They get the least amount of respect. And when bonus time is coming around, they're the first to get cut if we don't have any money and they get laid off while the CEOs and the, and the folk that do this kind of stuff go around to meetings and corporate things and they go meet with the shareholders and they do all of that rah-rah stuff. They get the big bonuses. Well, if we just cut their bonus, you could have kept, you could have kept the bonuses of everybody else. Why, why are people doing that? Well, she gets to talk to the board, Right. The average worker does not get to talk to the board and the board determines their compensation, right? And so the structure of most of these companies, especially when a company gets to be pretty large, is that the folks at the very top, right? The folks who ultimately decide their compensations are a room full of people, right? Sometimes a handful, sometimes a couple handful, right? And so your ability to build relationships with them and sort of meet their objectives sometimes, you know, and ultimately these companies, and I can't remember if Miller Knoll is a publicly traded company, but they answer to the shareholders, right? So you've got this, you know, you've got this dynamic where, you know, the incentives, <laughs> the literal incentives are such that, um, you know, the the workers or labor, I mean, we've seen over the last couple of years where labor becomes is becoming a much more vocal and strong constituency when you look at all the unionization efforts and things like that, that we haven't seen in decades. Um, but by and large, you know, capital has won, right? And capital is represented by the board and, and, and it's the shareholders who, who they represent. Now, so that's you, where you get these dynamics. <laughs> Etta Henry, you, you come out of banking, Right. Yeah, I come. I come out of investment banking, come out of venture capital, and then you know actual business. So I, I right. started my career at a family business. So I learned business from the bottom up. Now, Millenol is publicly traded. It, it's mm -hmm. ticker uh, stock ticker symbol is MLKN. 
It is currently trading at $17.14, which is down 63 cents today. It's down 3.55% right now. Uh, and I'm trying to see if it pays a dividend because that's the only thing I, I care about. Uh, but as as we are, are engaged with these companies that care more about shareholders than it does the people that actually make the money for them, have we lost our way? Is, is, is everything upside down? I feel like I'm listening to The Great Reset. So I put the Ray Dalio book down to Ooh. to uh get Jenny Jenny Rometty's um uh book Good Power in which I'm almost finished with and then I added uh two other books uh Stolen Focus and now I'm I'm I just finished The Great Reset and it talks about the future as we're in this AI thing is going to be in service because human beings which we found I think in the pandemic are going to need yeah. people who know how to serve better the yeah. service industries are going to flourish but we don't have enough people who know how to do that Right. Yeah. So and, and, and this is going to get really interesting um, in terms of how we train. So this forward, I, like I care about the stockholders and the shareholders more than I care about the people. I think there's going to be a backlash because we don't we learned in the pandemic. I could wear pajamas on my bottoms and not go into the office as much. And I think that there's that move as well to get people back in the office and force this. It's going to backfire. I don't know what you guys think about that. Yeah, I think I think there. I mean, there are several things in there. I think the the back to office movement. I mean, you've got the largest, you know, largest the head of the largest bank in the in America, let's say globally, uh, saying everybody better be here in terms of the senior people five days a week. Now we'll see how that plays out, you know, because a lot of those senior people have gotten used to not taking you know two hours or an hour and a half from Greenwich to get to Midtown Manhattan. So we'll see how that ultimately plays out as the market itself plays out. But I think to your point around, are we upside down, right? I think what we are seeing is that all the pushback that's come from labor and a lot of the, the you know, sort of big wage jumps that we've seen that have been kind of sticky have been in the service industries, right? So you had, you know, wage labor, not basically hourly labor, not move anywhere for decades. And then all of a sudden you're starting to see some of these bigger leaps and pushes, you know, that are really, you know, whether they're policy driven or market driven that are happening. But that's speaking to the fact that, you know, there is a need, there is a need for people, right? That is a need for people. And, and that's starting to show up and labor is also finding its, its power in that. So I think that's one part of it. But then as we think about, you know, how this economy changes, whether it's AI or, you know, whatever forms of, you know, sort of technological advancements that we're seeing, you are seeing a need for people who can actually think, do and interact, right? So even on the AI front, right? prompt engineers, right? Somebody who, who can who can craft language in a specific way in order to get a to get to get the AI to 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 respond, you know, to to whatever query you're having. But then if I even look at, you know, skills, whether they be, you know, taking care of people, right? Like we're not gonna get an AI to all of a sudden, you know, bring somebody a cup of tea, you know, not not anytime soon, but somebody who can care and meet human needs. And has the skills to meet human needs and interact. Yeah, that's going to be important. But then we look at our own. I look at my my teenage nieces. I make them call when I, we have a reservation to make. I make them call because they're so used to not interacting with people. My niece is terrified the first few times when I say no. You pick up the phone and you call the restaurant and you say I would like a reservation for whatever. Right. Just so you get used to talking to people. So I think we're going to have to be pretty deliberate about how we're 
training, you know, especially the generation that's coming up, that's very, you know, sort of digital native, how we're training them in terms of interaction, because those jobs are going to be very important. Judgment, right? AI doesn't have judgment. It has like, it has the ability to, to get to the end. There's no judgment, right? Mm-hmm. So all of those types of things, I think, are opportunities that I, that I think will, will be, that we'll have, you know, in, in, to supplement whatever technology that, 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 that you see coming forth. Yeah, I think there's like a certain amount of creative destruction that's going to be happening, like we kind of referenced earlier in the show. But as far as like people coming back to the office and stuff, well, the thing that I think about, because I run a a, basically a decentralized production company now. And so Mm. we have people where what we're doing is we're having moments where we're able to meet up as a group in person to develop culture. And I think it's it's leading with culture as opposed to leading with this idea of you should be in the office. You know, when Steve Jobs built the Pixar area, one of the things that he was trying to do was to create a culture where people had a happenstance moment where they would run into each other. That was him leading with culture through a building, right? Uh, For me, we want to be able to build and produce anywhere in the world for anyone in the world. So inherently, we want to have a decentralized model, but that also lends itself to challenges. So we have to Mm -hmm. find ways to connect. We have to do check-ins differently. I can't just be like, you're doing your job. I can't just like pop in and just like, like slack a video call be like, hey, what are you doing? What's going on? That'd be like the most, the craziest possible thing ever. But now when I have one-on-ones with my team, I'm asking them much more in-depth questions. We're asking much more two-way feedback is happening. That's super important. So there is like a shift that has to happen, not just you're going to work two days a week at the office and three days a week at home, but what is your, how is the culture changing at the organization that you're either at or running? Mm, mm. And what is office culture? Like as someone who, you know, (laughs) I don't know where I am in business, but I, I don't run a business like a, like a MBA you know, led company. I lead, I I lead in a way, as I mentioned, where people magnify themselves, you know, where they duplicate Mm -hmm. themselves, where, where the, the tasks get done because everyone's pitching in, there's a community feel and all of the things. And we do this on purpose, right? So the interns that come into Sirius XM, most of them with a few exceptions, and that's because we pick uh, from my class. Now, when we used to just pick from general people, (laughs) It was different, but now that we pick from people that are generally, you know, already familiar with the Karen Hunter uh, experience, they come in, they're ready, but they're trained on everything. And now they work in many different departments at Sirius, not just on Urban View, because there's a farm system of goodness that is, and then that just keeps growing to the point where it's like, okay, if we need to do something which we're about to do, we have so many different people to pull on to now launch the next thing and you know and i forego money to to make this thing work right so it's not like oh let me get my 6.4 million dollar bonus no if i if there were you know if there was 6.4 million that would go back into seeding the thing so that people can eat and and want to be here do you know what i'm saying where is that <laughs> you know it's like who's getting i'm like how are these people and they're bouncing from company to company so it's just it looks like a money grab when I look at it. It's like, you're not invested in this company. You're invested in the money. I don't know. It's like, uh, what are the, what are the incentive structures though too? Right. I think there's, there isn't, there isn't ones, I guess, um, you know, I guess maybe for our guests, like, do you want to talk a little bit about what are the incentives you kind of help with 
uh, entrepreneurs and business owners to try to like facilitate and, and adapt and adjust their culture? Yeah. So a lot of, you know, my seat with most businesses is, is the money seat, right? So I see whether it's, you know, we're going out of raising money for some level of expansion in the business, or, you know, we're helping you figure out how to structure, you know, your financial management properly, right? So at all given times, by being close to the money, you kind of see everything, right? You see how they treat people, who get, you know, and you learn so much about how a business is run just by looking at the numbers of a business, right? Mm. And so in terms of how we, you know, some of the conversations we have with clients, right? So if you have a company, I mean, most of our clients are very ambitious, right? So it's not a small business that wants to be small forever. It's a small business that wants to be a medium-sized business to be a, a, a large company, right? So, and they want to do this within the next 10 years, right? So they're running very, very hard. So there's a big conversation around how do you get people to come along? Because you you almost have to get people to do superhuman things, right? The entrepreneurs themselves, typically, they behave like they're superhuman, right? Um, they take on way more than the average person will take on. But in order for you to be, you know, like Instagram, when they sold, they had 25 people, right? That's an anomaly. That's like a total anomaly. Most companies, by the time you're a middle market company, large, you, you may have thousands of people on the boat, right? Uh, wait, so I'm sorry. Really... Uh, aren't, are, isn't there like an, I'm sorry. Uh, isn't there a, an edict that you have to sp spend that money <laughs> when they give it to you on these things? Like, is there an edict? Oh, when you raise money? Yes. Yeah. So if you raise money, you go and you tell them like, look, I need money for um, buying equipment. I need to fund the, maybe the company would be unprofitable for a certain period. And I need to invest in my labor, my, you know, whatever, whatever it is are my expenses. Right. So oftentimes there is a huge human capital investment that you're making. Either you're hiring senior level people who are now going to take you from being a team of five to maybe being a team of 10, a senior management team of 10 or 15 or from two to 10, right? So there's a certain amount of investment that you have to make. Now, some of the decisions that a lot of these entrepreneurs need to make, right? And this is where you're seeing in some of the questions around compensation is now, if I want everybody to be going this far and this hard and this fast, how do I incentivize them? And they're really good ones. They figure out a way that cash that they're taking, you know, in to invest in, to, to make sure it goes beyond make sure it goes beyond senior management because a lot of them will say okay i need to go hire a guy who i need to pay you know 300k a year right nobody in my company has made more than 100,000 before for example right and so they'll say okay i need now i need to hire now you can go and decide that those are the only investments you're going to make hiring these super expensive people who've come from really large companies or very you know kind of well compensated positions you can do that, but then you also need to figure out if you're running like, you know, our good friend Adina, who we, we both know and love, right? If you're running a business that needs to get a store manager, hourly employees excited about the growth of this business, now you have to be thinking about, okay, is there a path here? Now that I have investor money, investor support, is there a path for me to perhaps do some equity that they can enjoy on the upside that you're going to enjoy in a larger way? all the way to the hourly employee, right? Some of the guys, some of the companies that I see that are most, you know, sort of forward thinking in this way, right? That's what they do. They figure out, okay, how do I, how do I get an hourly employee to have equity in the business, right? How do I get them to enjoy a piece of the upside, however structured? And the beauty of America, again, 
is that we've got these very robust financial markets that can come up with any little thing you want, right? And so those structures exist, but you have to opt in. And a lot of companies don't do that, right? They'll stop the compensation, they stop the investments they're making in human capital at the middle, you know, middle, you know, call it middle office and, and, and above. They won't find a way to make sure it goes all the way, but you have to both in compensation and sometimes even in having them participate in, you know, whatever outsized windfall mm-hmm. you and senior management is going to see. Not so that's me. something I'm, I'm a very big proponent of, because I think if, when you've got big ambition, you need to have a lot of people doing outrageous things on your yes. behalf. Which is why you're the people that you help are doing outrageous things, uh, including Dina Bio. Ida Henry's. Let's go to the phones. No, it's the time. We roll. We roll. We roll yeah, until no, it hits. We gonna roll mm-hmm. correctly. Darren, <laughs> Darren in Florida, you're on with Ida Henry's. Welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. Hi. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good evening, Miss Ida. I will, good evening. I have a business. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing with us. Um, my business is struggling to secure like um, financing and investment capital. For things that you mentioned, like equipment for phases where I know that the business is going to take a downturn to get me through to the next um, cycle. How do I, where, where does one start? Um, how do I even, you know, begin to start that journey? I've been in business for four years now. Mm. Wonderful. Thank you for the question, Darren. Um, I, is, what, what is the business? Uh, yeah, that's how it's going to start. Okay, yep. I'm sorry. Tell us a little bit it's more about the business. That's the... Thank you. It's a commercial cleaning franchise. Service. Commercial cleaning. Yeah, that's service. That's yes, fine. ma'am. Okay. And when you say franchise, are you a franchisee or do you own a number yeah, of? Okay, wonderful. Okay, well, one thing I will tell you is franchises, is and is this part of a large, well-known franchise or how big is the franchise system? Is it well-known? Uh, national. Yeah, it's a national brand. Okay. So one of the great things about franchises is that of small small businesses generally struggle to access capital, right? But franchises tend to actually be better positioned, right? Because the reason why is when banks underwrite businesses, they're looking primarily at risk, right? And if you've got a franchise, if you've bought a franchise and assuming this is a national franchise that's well known, doing well, right? doesn't have any crazy scandals or, you know, issues at present. But if it's, you know, your standard issue, good franchise company, it actually is easier to finance, right? Because they, it's seen as a known entity. So if you show up with, let's say, restaurant on the corner versus a McDonald's franchise, those of those two, they can look, they can look exactly the same in terms of revenue and exactly the same. And the McDonald's franchise, people will close their eyes and do that any day, right? So I would say one thing, with franchise companies, it is easier. So the one thing you want to start looking at is, you know, what is your capital need, right? I think one of the places that people struggle in terms of where do I start is, okay, what is my actual capital need? What do I need money for? Is it buying equipment? Is it, you know, to fund uh, my OPEX? Am I losing money and I need to turn the business around, right? So first you really have to look at what the capital is being used for, right? Because there, there are different lenders, or different folks who finance needs, right? So that's the first thing. The second thing I will say is pull your financials, right? So if you, you've been in business for four years, what is your what is the you know revenue, expenses, profit profile of your business look like, right? Because there will be assuming that your business is profitable, right? 
that operating income or that, you know, profit that you're making out of the business, when you take when you take those financials to the bank, they look and say, okay, based on what your business is earning, I can I can loan you X, right? And so there's some sort of internal stuff to the business. And these these both things, whether you know it's that the fact that you're a franchise, a franchisee, and the fact that you've got operating history, both of those things work in your favor. So really then it comes to how much, how much do you need? And then next place is where do you go? So, but Darren said, you know, you've been mm-hmm. trying to get money and you're mm-hmm. with a, a well-recognized franchise. Could the problem be the finance, your financials aren't lining up? Mm-hmm. Darren. Right. What, yes, yes, what has yes, been the yes. feedback? Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. What's been your feedback? Okay, yes, uh, I'm not sure. Can you hear me better now? Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah, yeah, we can hear you. Okay. So, yeah, so, um, well, I think that a large part of it has been personal credit. So trying to fix mm-hmm. that piece mm-hmm. and then, you know, how to get the business credit, how to how to get that away from, like, um, if I had a, 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 a officer who I wanted to apply for the credit, how could I get them in that position to apply as opposed to me being the one doing okay, the So um, something that. happened between getting the franchise and now, right? Because I, from what I know of franchises, your your house has to be in order to even get a franchise, mm-hmm. right, Darren? Yes, that's correct. So something happened with your finances? Yes, something happened. Okay. Yep, through um through the pandemic and um you know last mm-hmm. year having issues with my real estate, so I had you know lost some money last year, so that put me in the bind. Right. Okay. So how about how from his point point of view? Ida, how does he get money when his when his finances aren't lining up personally? So there are so if you were to go to, let's say, and they aren't the biggest lenders to small businesses because they they probably do like three or four percent of all of the small business lending that happens. And these are community development financial institutions, CDFIs. We've heard a lot about them, right? They've had their second life over the last couple of years, lots of investment from the federal government. But one of their mandates is actually to, to lend in ways um, that are, you know, not market, right? So some CDFIs, like I can think of two in the state, what, uh, in the state of New York, and we can look at who's in Florida, but there are a couple in the state of New York where the minimum credit score is actually maybe 600, right? And some may even go down to 580. Right. If you're much lower than that, it will be very difficult to finance the business through an institution. But even if it's down to 600, which most, you know, most small business lenders are looking for 680 and above, 640 and above. But even if you're down to 600, they can actually look and parse through your personal history and see if there's a possibility mm-hmm. for them to finance you still. So one of the things I will say in Florida, there there are going to be a number of CDFIs and um, you can figure out, you know, how to, how to be helpful to you, you know, personally, but there are a number of CDFIs where that's their, their job. Their job is to, you know, look past what a typical lender will look past. And some of them actually do it. Not all of them. Now I'll say that not all of them do it. Not everybody who advertises that they do it, actually do it, but there are some who actually do it. And if you've got, you know, if, if you've got a kind of well-operating business and you've got a, you know, and understandably, commercial cleaning during a pandemic, I would imagine, would have been hit because offices are closed, right? right? So if there are, you know, if they're able to look at some aspects of your history, they will work with you much harder, I would say, than a typical lender. And depending on the amount of cash you need, you know, if it's, you know, I don't know, how much cash are we talking about there? 
about just, 10, 20,000. Oh. Yeah, like that's their job. Their job. Yeah. So they're gonna they're gonna have folks who can. They're they're CDF. Like if you're sub 100k, like that is CDFI land, right? Let's, that's where they're supposed to be working. With the little, limited time we have, you're gonna be here uh, frequently, yeah. monthly. You're gonna come through. Yeah. Uh, next time you come, let's let's put together like a blueprint of what yeah. it looks like to get money. What what are the 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 steps you have to take? to yeah. a, a qualify for a franchise but once you get a franchise how do you keep your franchise because that is one of your specialties because you've helped several people with franchise uh work and i think that that if we're in a neighborhood we should own the franchises in those neighborhoods nobody else should you really should you really yes. should because there's such a there's such a there's such an opportunity if you buy into the right systems there's such an opportunity because you're not starting from scratch but you have to do your homework and you have to make sure that you sort of set yourself up properly, but they're built, they're com- like McDonald's sells franchises and it owns real estate. Like that's yes. how McDonald's makes money. So their business in, they're in the business of you there. So, yes. so uh, yeah, happy, love to Next. do that once we. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to the Karen Hunter show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.